The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we began listening to a sermon by Elder Craig Blair on the topic of perseverance. Perseverance is greatly misunderstood in the religious world. Some say you have to persevere in order to stay a child of God. Others say that if you don't persevere, you never were a child of God. But what God says about perseverance is that while we ought to persevere, there is indeed a possibility that children of God will not persevere in faith and good works but that they can fall away. They can fall away from a belief in grace. They can fall away from good works and their discipleship. They can fall away from a close walk with God, but they can't fall out of the hands of God. Nonetheless, as Elder Craig Blair has been preaching to us, perseverance is important for a child of God here and now. You see, there are many blessings for children of God in this life if they persevere in faith, if they persevere in good works and in righteous living. These blessings are contingent upon us doing what God says. We shouldn't faint. We should continue on. We should not fall away. We should persevere, not in order to get to heaven, but because we're going. Join us today for the conclusion of this message by Elder Craig Blair on perseverance. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Be thou
would say that there are false professors, those that appear to be children of God but aren't. You know, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, there's a lot that leads up to this. But in verse 13, Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, For such, now he's talked about some that had an occasion of glory in his opposition to them, says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. There were those there that were putting on the appearance and claiming to be apostles of Christ, and, and not for the purposes of, of serving and honoring God. He says, And no marvel... For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, there clearly are those that would be false professors. The Bible teaches us that. You know, there's a witness that you have in your heart of the Holy Spirit. That is not external. You know, the Lord has given us a lot of evidence. You know that you can know that you're a child of God. In 1 John chapter 5, he writes, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the, of, of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. That seems a little unusual, but... We can have an assurance. We sang a song, Blessed Assurance. And there are a lot of wonderful assurances in God's word, but, but, but primary among all of those, brothers and sisters, is that, that I am a child of God. You, you can know that. You can know that you have eternal life. You know, the Lord has planted some evidence in your heart. You know, there's a, in Jeremiah 32, there's a land transaction that is described where a fellow, a prophet, bought some land. And it's interesting, you know, why would the Bible teach us such a, a lesson? And it describes in there that there was a certain price for that land transaction, 13 shekels of silver. It said that that price was, that sum of silver was weighed in the balances, and it was found to be sufficient to purchase the land. And there was some evidence that was recorded for that transaction. You know, that some of that evidence was sealed in an earthen vessel. And some of that evidence was public. You know, there's a song that we sing that when I can read my title clear, two mansions in the sky. I can tell you, isn't it a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters? When you can read your title clear, you can understand that Jesus Christ paid the full price for your redemption on the cross. There's not a lien against your heavenly estate. There's not any debt that you have to pay off for that heavenly estate. When you can read your title clear in the evidence of that transaction that I am one of his and that he saved me by his precious blood on the cross. And one day I'll live with him in glory. We can sing that song, a going home. is a rejoicing song. Isn't that wonderful to think? To know and feel and have that assurance. You know, that spirit of God that when we're born again, it bears witness with our spirit causes you to cry out of a father how do you know that you're saved eternally do you love god well if you love god then god first loved you Amen. you know what that means jesus died for you Amen. you know what that means he went to the ground he rose for you Amen. what that means he's going to come back and carry you home one day so that's a glorious thing if you understand those things you've got evidence in your you ever feel chastised lord ever whipped you well what does that tell you it tells you two things one you need to get right that's right 
The second thing it tells you is that he loves you. You're one of his children because he doesn't chastise. Chastisement of the Lord is, is a sign that you are sons and not Amen. bastards. Legitimate children of the Father. You ever feel convicted of your sin? You ever feel like that old publican did? When he smote his breast and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's signs, brothers. That's evidence that is within you that you're a child of God. Now, there's that outward evidence that we ought to display to others that we are. And that's a different subject. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, that while there are those that have outward pretense and can be false professors, I don't want you to ever look at a day where we stumbled. We might have strayed away from the Lord. I don't want you to doubt your eternal salvation, that internal witness that tells you that I am one of his, that he is my father. And one day I'll live with him in glory. There are false professors. Jesus at one time in Matthew chapter 7, some came and they talked about all the things they'd done for him. Said, yeah, you say that you've done this and you've done that. You know, saying that is not the same thing. Jesus had a pretty strong rebuttal to him. One that he can have and not really ours. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, Jesus knows all things. When he says, I never knew you, it's hard for me to escape the fact that he's saying, you were not one of the objects of my love before the foundation of the world. I did not know you in that covenant of grace. You're not one of mine. You were not one of mine. You might say that you've done these things. Doesn't mean that you did. <laughs> you might say that. We don't need to be overly concerned about them except just to be understanding, brothers and sisters. Yeah. You want to you wanna test? If they'll... You know, like the devil can be transformed into a minister of the light and his, and his ministers in that same way into angels. You know, we, if you ask 100 people to, to describe a mental image they have of Satan, what do you think they would say? A man in a red suit with horns and a forked tail and a spear? The devil doesn't look like that, brothers and sisters. No, the devil comes in attractive forms. The devil comes dressed up in fame and celebrity and riches and the admiration of men. The devil can come as a member of your family or someone at work. He can be your boss. He comes in a lot of forms, brothers and sisters. And, and they all look, they all, gonna, the first thing that they're going to do is going to be attractive to you. Your natural reaction is going, that's pretty good right there. False professors. Blessings of perseverance. So many places in God's word where we understand, if you just think about it, continuing faithful in your walk as disciples. What's the benefit of that? Number one, you know what the, the, the greatest benefit in that is? Is that you're honoring and glorifying God. Amen. And if there was nothing else but that, then that, that should be sufficient to all of us. If you understand that you're saved by the grace of God when Jesus suffered on the cross, he, built a, he bore the pains of God's wrath for his love for you and paid for your sins and secured heaven for you, then that ought to be enough that we say, I want to persevere through anything and remain faithful and honor and glorify the name of the one who loved me when I was unlovable, saved me when I was unsavable, and one has promised him will give to me eternal home in heaven. But you know, there's blessings to us in maintaining that faithful walk. 
in Galatians chapter 6. And this kind of ties some things back in to the second lesson in that parable. Verse 7, Galatians 6. Be not deceived. You know, that's just a good thing, isn't it? We could just stop right there and talk about be not deceived. Now, who's the one that's going to be trying to deceive you? Uh, that, old, that little man in that red suit. <laughs> that old devil. He's going to be trying to deceive you. He, you know, he can't touch your life. He can't touch your life. Your eternal life is secure in Jesus Christ and the love and the power of God. He can't do that. There's nothing that can happen. Nothing that Paul described in his great persuasion. Nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. That is secure. But oh, does he not desire to separate you from the joys of the fellowship with the Lord in time, the blessings of a close walk. That's what he wants to take away from you, and that's his mission. And he loves it. You know, the wicked love wickedness. You know, devil, he wants to get you over there and, and, and enjoy in, in those things that he does. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, Paul's bringing in some of the judgment of God. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I think the last time we spoke here, we mentioned a few times about growing things. And I can tell you, there's not a thing that I picked in the garden that I planted last year. And I didn't pick anything in my neighbor's yard that I planted in my yard. I can tell you, brothers and sisters, we, you will sow what we reap. Now, God is merciful. God is long-suffering. If he wouldn't, we'd all be consumed. But still, God is, be not deceived, God is not mocked. And he goes on and says, you know, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Which tells me that if we faint, there's some things we're not going to reap. Some blessings that are promised to us for living in the kingdom, we will will not enjoy, brothers and sisters, if we don't remain faithful to the Lord. Circle back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, you know, Paul spent the first three chapters of Ephesians teaching these wonderful doctrinal lessons. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians, he's teaching us about duty and about things that we need to do in our life in the kingdom. And then chapter 6, he goes on and talks about warfare. You know, there's, there's things that the Lord has provided for you and I to wear, to put on as disciples. You know, when you come into a place like this, we ought to be putting on the wedding garments. You know, we shouldn't have to be worried about the old devil. I, I pray that as we come into the sanctuary like this, looking to the Lord to come and be with us and bless us, this is the last place the devil really wants to be if we come with the right mind. You know, he doesn't want to be here. This, this is the worst place for him. And there's, work, there's clothes we need to put on when we're doing some work in the kingdom. But then there's some clothes, things that we need to put on when we're in battle. Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You don't know how you're going to faint not. You don't know how that you will persevere, that you'll not grow weary in well-doing. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, 
He goes on and says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now that may surprise you. You may find every week you got some folks out there that you have to deal with, that you feel like you're having to have a spiritual wrestling match with folks that oppose you and what you believe and what you try to stand for. What Paul is teaching us there, brothers and sisters, you know, ultimately who's, who's, who you're fighting against. He, may, he, may, he works through those. Who are we really fighting against? We don't, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the wiles of the devil, against the old devil. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we could talk a long time about that, but we will not tonight. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. See, he's describing, brothers and sisters, that the, putting on this armor that help us in, this, in, in the battles that we fight in this life. To be able to withstand. To persevere teaches to me there's something that we, that we must press against. There's, some, there's a force opposing us that we have to withstand. And that's the wiles of the devil, that we be not deceived. That we understand that we stand in the power of the Lord and in his might. Be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. To remain faithful. He gives us that armor and he reminds us to persevere. So we go back to Luke 18. The Lord giving us that lesson that we ought always to pray. And I don't think he's just restricting that to either some mental or audible expressions of sentiment to the Lord. And when he's talking about praying there, he's talking about that you're looking to one for help, one that you believe in, one you believe that is able to help, one that understands you. All these things, you know, brothers and sisters, all the things that go into to the, to the act of praying to God. You know, it's not just saying some words, is it? You know, it, it should be the sincere expression of what is on our heart. And it, and it shows and it demonstrates a belief and a faith in God and that he loves you and that he's able and he's willing. All these things that go in to one that we pray to, though we believe he, he hears our prayers and is able to answer and to, to deliver those things that we pray to him for. And see, that, that expression of faith and belief in God is something that we faint not. That we don't fall from that. We remain faithful. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. He says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth, the judgment of God. You hope we understand the Satan, brothers and sisters, that the Lord will avenge his elect. The Lord will bring judgment, punishment, from his judgment upon the wicked. I want you to understand that there's a time coming. And I hope you're not worried about this. <laughs> I hope you haven't lost one minute of sleep in the last week worrying about the end of time. Right. I have, hope you haven't been trying to figure out whether, we're, whether it's 10 days or six months away from now or what, brothers and sisters, because God knows that time. Amen. He said he'll come speedily. You know what that means? Judgment of the Lord, once he determines, you know, it didn't take him three or four weeks to destroy Sodom, did it? Once the Lord, once his long suffering had passed, and he determined to exercise vengeance, be deceived, be not deceived, the Lord is not mocked. He, he, when, he, when he decided to, to bring that judgment upon those cities, it happened immediately. And I can tell you, at the end of time, it's not going to be a thousand years. You know, when the Lord is through with this world, 
We need to determine that he's going to execute judgment upon the wicked. You know, the judgment for you and I, when was that executed? In Calvary. And his son paid that price. See, you don't have that to look forward to. See, of all things, we ought to, you know, when we say, Lord, come quickly, there should be an expression there that we have a belief that it's such a wonderful thing that we're going to. We, we embrace that. We look forward to that. I can tell you, you don't need to get ready for the end of time. You know, the world will teach you that, you know, are, are you ready? You don't see this billboards, and I don't, you know, that could be me just as well as any of them. I understand that. But I tell you, you've been made. When that, when that trump sounds, and when that voice calls your name, when you come up out of the grave, you're going to come up ready. You don't need to worry about being ready. You've never been as ready for anything in your life as you would be on that day. But the Lord will bring judgment. But you know, it's a, there's that, that eternal judgment that is fixed, and the Lord knows when that is. And that speedily means he's coming on his time schedule. You know, the Lord doesn't do things on our time schedule, does he? He does it on his time schedule. He's also teaching the lessons there. But you've got to go back to the 17th chapter of Luke. You know, we live in a time now that we may, we might grow weary of praying to the Lord for deliverance of this nation. You know, it, it might be awful appealing to say, Lord, why have you not come in judgment and set things right here? Well, in Luke chapter 17, there were some of those that were looking for something that the Lord was not going to do. You know, some of those will know, and even his apostles, the Pharisees questioned him in Luke 17 about when you're going to come into your kingdom. And even his apostles, see, they were, they'd gotten to the point that they were more concerned about national Israel. They had forgotten the purpose of God setting that nation aside as a special nation with his blessings. You know, it had got about to being their power and the things that they enjoyed, and they had completely lost sight that, that Israel was set up as a nation for the purpose of worshiping God. They were blessed providentially in tremendous ways that no other nation was. You know, they were looking for Jesus to do what? To reestablish the throne of David back to the pinnacle of Israel's national power, natural power. To throw off the yoke of the Romans in this case and the other nations that they'd been under. Jesus didn't come to do that, did he? That's not the key. First off, he didn't come to sit upon any other man's throne to establish his own kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. But see, they were looking for something that they wouldn't see. He said over there in Luke 17, he said, you'll, one of these days you'll desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you'll not see it because they're going to be looking for the wrong thing. They'll be looking for a natural kingdom. You know, and the Lord, had, in 17, he, he talks about some judgment that was going to come. And he says it's going to be first like it was in the day of Noah and in the day of Lot. People just carrying on their business, and then the Lord brought judgment in both cases. And he talks about some judgment that did come. You know, when the Lord promises judgment, you know what happens? That judgment, that, that judgment occurs. That vengeance is his. And he talks about the time that he would visit destruction upon Jerusalem for the unbelief of the, his people, that nation of Israel. You know, they, they were actually, the, the judgment was visited on them through a force that they thought that Jesus was going to come and throw off of the Romans. I kind of wonder sometimes whether in our nation, 
What's more important, the U.S. Constitution or this? No, I, I, there's no, the U.S. Constitution was a document developed by men who were blessed by God. I believe that. But I kind of wonder, brothers and sisters, whether, you know, we, vengeance is the Lord. And, and we need to continue praying that the Lord would, that we'd turn the hearts of the leaders and turn the hearts of the people. You know, it's less a trouble to me that the leaders we have, except the fact that that indicates that more than half the people in this country must agree with them. The Lord will bring judgment. He's promised it. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Well, if we persevere through tribulations, through trials, through opposition, through those things that we face. You know, the Lord gives us wonderful examples in the book of Daniel around his people and his blessings to the faithful when they're in captivity. And I don't know whether we've reached the point of being in captivity as, a, as God's people in the nation in which we live or not. I know if we don't, if, if, the, if things do not turn around, if we have another 10 or 20 years directionally the way that we are now, because it talks about this unjust judge, and we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about him or the widow, but he says that he fears not God nor neither regards man. That's a pretty good description of a lot of the leadership that we have in this country right now. And, and we're under authority to them civilly. We ought to be praying that if that captivity occurs to us, that we remain faithful, that we look at the examples of Daniel and those three Hebrew children and God's providential blessings upon them, that he creates the, those that would, they would find favor with and gives them understanding and, and all the things, but... You know, you see that they remained faithful. They kept their eyes and their sight on God. Because, you know, the old devil, one thing he wants to do, he wants to get your children. First thing he wants to do is get in their schools and teach them their ways and teach them their language and give them the world's things to eat and to drink so that they can become like them. That's what the old devil wants to do. This parable teaches us, brothers and sisters, that if we we remain faithful, if we grow not weary in well-doing, then the Lord will be pleased with us, even if he brings judgment all around us, that he'll protect and preserve his people, even in time that the faithful will remain. He says, well, shall he find faith on the earth? Well, the Bible teaches us, brothers and sisters, there will be faith on the earth somewhere until the Lord comes again. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Our prayer is that it would be here and it be in Tuscaloosa. And if it's another 175 years before he comes back, then before he came back, there'll be a 350th anniversary here. You know, we're just about 125 years behind you at Tuscaloosa. We hope never to close the gap. And we hope it never gets any larger, that we both remain faithful to the end. You know, perseverance is something that we need to understand. It's a, it's a doctrine that the Bible teaches. It's to the honor and glory of God, and it's to the benefit and the blessing of the saints of God. It does not mean that you, if you don't persevere, you're eternally lost because you never were a child of God. And then the Bible clearly teaches us that the faithful of God can turn and fall away, can be taken captive by the old devil, and he can separate us from the joys and the blessings 
Just think for a minute. And there's a song that we talk about, if I could only imagine. We think about that wonderful world in heaven. And that is true. What a wonderful thing to think about. Let me give you the exact opposite. Could you imagine getting up this morning and not wanting to come to church? Could you imagine not enjoying singing the songs that we sing? Can you imagine your heart not being touched by the prayer that was offered tonight? Can you imagine opening up God's word and there's just no joy in them? I hope you can only imagine that. I hope you never experience it. And the other, I believe, with certainty, that while we can only imagine it now, one day we'll experience it fully. That's certain. And God has the power and the might to keep us in his care. Let's remain faithful. Let's persevere in the right understanding. God bless you is our prayer. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.